disagreements in philosophy, I'll say, with my parents from time to time. That's what we'll call them, disagreements in philosophy. Uh, particularly with my father. Uh, I've said before, um, my, my parents, uh, they got divorced when I was young, and so I would spend some time at my mom's house and sometimes at my dad's house. And when I was at my mom's house, I would go months on end without getting in trouble. I would see what my sister was getting because it seemed like she couldn't get up in the morning without. I would see, you know, my mom would say, you know, get up and come back in a couple more minutes later. Get up. It's time to go. to You know, folks got to go to work. Folks got to go to school. You know, got kids got to get dressed. Breakfast. This whole race that is the morning and my sister didn't want to get up and then when she'd get up she might have a bit of an attitude and so my sister would get in trouble a lot not just in the morning just in general and I would see what was going on with my sister and say I don't want any parts of that I want none of that absolutely none of that and so I would go months without getting in trouble. Only got spanked by my grandmother one time in my entire life. I, I was not supposed to go past Miss McGee's driveway, which was next door. I could go as far as I wanted the other way because all kind of aunts and cousins lived up and down that street. I could go as far as I wanted the other way, but I could not go past Miss McGee's driveway. The, the, the north on the street and I did and I went down the street around the corner to the gas station got me some food and rode my bike back and saw her and had to hear the phrase that no generation X child ever wanted to hear go get me a switch and I'd go get I got the switch and it wasn't big enough and so after I got that switch and got the right switch, I learned that, you know what, whatever grandma says, I'm going to do because I don't want no parts of this switch anymore. I, what I'm trying to say is I didn't like to get in trouble. I did not like to be punished for things I did. There are some people I would think that, you know, they'll sit there and take their punishment because, you know, sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And so they take the punishment, and that doesn't bother them because they got to do whatever they wanted to do. Me, I don't like to get punished. And so I had this disagreement in philosophy with my father because whenever I was with my father, I had me, and then I had my younger brother, Eric, and then I had Jessica, and then later on I had my youngest sister, Amanda, and so we would go places, and I, I said I, I went months without getting a spanking. I went months without getting in trouble. That meant I didn't do a bunch of bad stuff, amen? amen. I can't speak for my younger brothers and sisters. Okay. 
it was party time for them from time to time. And uh, so they would do stuff and get in trouble. And, you know, it'd be time to line up to get your spanking or get your punishment. And they'd be like, all right, come on, Johnny. Wait a minute. I didn't do nothing. You the oldest. You should have done something to stop it. Hated it. I hated getting in trouble for something somebody else did. I felt like they should get in trouble and I should be fine. But I realized as I grew older that my father was trying to train me for leadership. I realized that he was trying to train me for leadership. And I had the the, the honor, the esteemed honor of being the oldest child on both sides of my family for the entire generation. So that meant at family reunions when cousins were acting up. Come on over here, Johnny, it's your turn. And, 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 and different things, and I didn't, I didn't realize until I was older that certain things would happen like that. You could be on a job doing a project, and if somebody else doesn't carry their load on the job, you all going to feel the consequences. Uh, there, there are things that will come along where the, the actions of one person affect the other, and since you are the leader in that situation, you are sometimes responsible for it. That was particularly challenging when I was pledging. Because I was the ace of my line. I was the captain of the ship. I was the president of the class. I was in charge. And so while everybody else may have only had to be responsible for the person in front of them or in back of them on the line, because I was the ace of my line, I had responsibility for the entire line. Ace, why doesn't Ford know his information? Training for leadership. Same thing in a church. The pastor will be held accountable for certain things if the members have done it. How could the pastor allow this to happen? Same thing with politics. If there's a particular person in the cabinet that's uh, talking to some people that they're not supposed to be talking to. That is the price you pay for wanting to sit in the big chair. And even if you don't sit in the big chair, even if you aren't the leader, whatever your fellow man is doing next to you can cause you trouble. I may not agree with it. I may not like the fact that something that somebody else did long before I even got here can get me in trouble, but that is the facts. We We plant seeds for trees in this life that we will not sit under the shade. You plant the tree, the tree goes, you move on, and somebody else reaps the benefits. We are standing on the shoulders and the backs of our forefathers and our foremothers, those who have come before us, both the good and the bad, both the great things and the gruesome things. We end up being responsible for the problems and the things that have come before us. And that is what I thought about when I was looking at this passage because they were talking about Adam. We have this big old $5 phrase, the doctrine of the fall of man. And they talk about it and they talk about theodicy and they talk about all the bad things in the world. And one of the things that we believe is that most of the bad things that happen in the world are not the direct actions of God but are the byproduct of the actions of man, particularly the first man, Adam. And so we have this thing that he was doing that Adam did, and he did not 
and, and, the, and the punishment went all the way through generation to generation, even though all he did was eat a piece of fruit. Uh, he was told to eat whatever he wanted, just not from the, to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said it in, in Genesis 2 and 15 through 17, then God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden and to tend and keep it. Let me stop right there. Uh, the text says, uh, we're talking about the work of Adam and, and the reality of his act and the fact that when Adam sinned, that sin entered the entire human race and not only the entire human race, but all of creation. That's what we're talking about. But I just want to point out a little nugget in 15, uh, 215. It says, then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. The Lord put him in the Garden of Eden. That's Genesis 2. Amen. That is Genesis 2 and 15. I just want to make sure um, I, I'm, I'm clear on this. So we have Genesis 2 and 15 where it says that he told him to, to put him in the garden and tend and eat it. Okay. Um, and, and then I, I took him and put him in the garden to eat, to keep, da, 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 da. And then we go on to uh, verse 20. Well, no, no, no. He gave it. Uh, no, it says, so the man gave names to the livestock and the birds and the sky and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, took one of the man's ribs and closed them up with a pace of uh, the place with the flesh. I'm, I'm still in here. We are. Verse 22, it says, The Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he shall be called woman, and for she was taken out of man. Back to verse 15, that he took, he took the man, put him in the garden of Eden, and told him to keep it. And then in verse 22, he made the woman with the rib. Verse 15, he told Adam, he took him to the Garden of Eden and told him to keep it. And in verse 22, he uh, took the rib out of the man and made woman. I'm going to say it one more time. In verse 15, he told Adam to tend the garden and keep it. And then in verse 22, he took the rib out of the man and made woman. Adam had a job before he had a woman. Adam had a job before he had a woman. So when we are out here looking for our Adam, this the Bible, I mean it's right here, 15 comes before 22, right? I'm just, just that's the math. So Adam had a job before he had a woman. Just, just wanted to point that out. That wasn't part of the sermon. That was extra. I didn't have that prepared, but told him to, 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 to tend the garden and eat it and, 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 and keep it. And then the Lord commanded him, saying, of every tree of the garden you freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And so Adam and Eve both ended up eating the fruit. Adam and Eve both ended up eating the fruit. 
And because of the, them eating the fruit, death spread to everyone. So everyone sinned. Uh, I'm reminded of Psalm 51 verse 5 where it talks about that we were born into iniquity. Because Adam did what he did. Because Eve did what she did. They were born into iniquity. We were born into sin. It ain't necessarily our fault. We didn't do anything to bring that on us, but we can't control the actions of what happens to those who come before us. But sometimes we end up with the consequences. And so because of the, the reality of his act that Adam sinned and sin entered the, 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 the entire human race in the scope of what he did, the death spread to everyone. The adage says that someone said, uh, the good news is that we are all bad. All. Oh, he, he, Paul ain't talking about me when he's talking about this death entering everyone. I beg to differ because the Bible says in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. And it says before he gets to 623, he's in 323 telling us that all have sinned. And have fallen short of the glory of God. So if you think he ain't talking about you, you just wrong. All have sinned and fallen short of the God, glory of God because of what somebody did before us that put this world into this fallen state. Yes. And so we had the reality of his act that when Adam sinned, the sin entered the entire human race and the scope of his act is that death spread to everyone and the nature of his act because one person disobeyed God, yes. many people became sinners. That one person did everything. He was first. He was before all. And so he did it and we had to reap the consequences. Now they had to reap the consequences as well. The Bible says that God uh, told uh, um, Adam that he was going to have to work by the sweat of his brow to till the land. And the land was going to be hard to, to till. And that, that um, Eve was going to have to have pains in the birth. And he put these things from in front of them. And they were going to have a rough life because they had did what they did. And they found out that they were naked and had to create clothes to cover themselves all in Genesis. And then after all of that, he kicked them out of the Garden of Eden as well for eating the fruit that they were not supposed to eat. And not, it wasn't no temporary kicking out. It was a permanent kicking out. The Bible says that he put an angel in front of the door of the Garden of Eden and had a flaming sword to guard it. So there was no getting back in. Sometimes you can have the forgiveness but still end up with the consequences. Amen. And so the result is, is, was judgment on Adam. And they all died because they disobeyed an, a, an explicit commandment from God as Adam did. And he got eternal judgment. Adam's sin brought death and condemnation upon all people. That ain't me making it up. That ain't me. I just told y'all in Romans 6 and 23, it says the wages of sin of death are death and the gift of God is eternal life. We've gotten to a point where we've sort of tried to act like sin was just something you could wash off. I just need a quick shower and I'll be good. I, I know that the definition of sin means to miss the mark, but missing the mark is an important thing. We've sort of downplayed it. And by we, I mean pastors. We've sort of downplayed it because when you start talking about death, hell, and the grave, you start talking about sin, and you start talking about the wages of sin being death. People don't want to hear that. They want to hear God's got a plan for you. I need a $200 line over here. I need a $100 line over here. I need a $50 line over here. You just sow a seed, and ah, God will help you out. 
But it ain't me, it's the Bible. The wages of sin are death. That is what we deserve. That is what the Bible says. And it doesn't put anybody in. It says all have sinned and fallen short. And so the results of this act is death and judgment and condemnation. Death reigned, it says. All were subject to death. And it talks about both before the law and after the law. So Adam to Moses when he talks in the text. Because we like to sometimes get out of certain things by saying, well, this was before a certain thing that happened in the Bible. Or this was after a certain thing that happened in the Bible. No, 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 no. Moses came with the law, but this happened to everybody before the law happened too. So from Adam to Moses, people died. People had to deal with the consequences of sin. And then the God's law was given, and the God's law was given to show us just how far we missed the mark. That's another thing we, and I mean by we, I mean certain pastors like to do. We like to overlook what's going on in the Old Testament. Oh, that don't matter. That ain't got nothing to do with what's going on now. We under grace. Oh, I said, I used to say all the time and when I was working with youth ministry that the parts of the Bible you don't like are there for the parts of the Bible that you do like. If you take away the parts of the Bible that you don't like, you can't really reap the benefits of the parts of the Bible that you do like. It's not a vending machine. It's not a video game with a cheat code. It's not Piccadilly's. It's not Luby's. It's not Ryan's. It's not Great American Buffet. I'm going to take a little bit of this, but I'm going to skip over that. I want a little bit of this. Give me this and not that. And give me some of this and not that. And give me some of this and not that. It's not that. It's all together. This is a string of 66 books that are going towards a plan. They're telling you about the lineage of God and the laws to show us that how far off we were and how far off we've missed the mark. And then they show us that Jesus came and died for our sins. And then they tell us how we're supposed to live after he died for our sins until he comes back. It comes all together. And so the law was given to show the people who, how sinful they were and just how much they had missed the mark but we had the work of Adam this one person that didn't have anything to do with us and messed everything up because he came before us and we had to reap the benefits of him and what he and Eve did and what some of the other people did between then but then Jesus came amen we had the work of Christ and because of Christ dying on the cross Uh, Because he came out of eternity and because he knew no sin and lived a life that we could not live and died a death that we could not die. He became the perfect sacrifice for us. And because he did that, we are able to have access to heaven. And so we have the, 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 we had the scope of Adam's act, right? And then we have the scope of Christ's act. Jesus Christ brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gift. Christ's one act of righteousness makes all the people right in his sight. Paul is talking about the contrast between Christ and Adam in verses 15 through 17. He says, not only are their two acts different, but the grace of the work of Christ is seen to be greater than the sin judgment. So while we had an average man to mess everything up, we had a real great man to set everything right. 
the work is done that much more better. And because of the kind we were with Adam, we've got condemnation and, ju- and judgment. But with Christ, we've got justification and righteousness. And, and we've got life being given to ruined souls. Amen. And the nature of this act, because one person disobeyed God, many people suffered. But because one person obeyed God, one great man obeyed God, we all are going to be made right in God's sight. Uh, we have the, the, the nature and the results of the act gave us the justification, which is all now that all people can be set are accepted by God. And we have sanctification. All people can now be made righteous in God's eyes. And we have glorification, which all people have eternal life. Have access to eternal life. We have that 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 grace that John Wesley talks about that us Methodists get so happy about that provenient grace where God is covering us and protecting us before we got enough sense to cover and protect ourselves and understand what's going on. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, the Bible says, I knew you. It's like a house. You come into a house and you sit on the porch. It's raining outside, amen. You get on the porch, you get the benefits of the house, but you are not in the house. You still get out of the rain and you get some of those protections and you don't know what's going on in the house, but you protected the house and that justifying grace. I like that word justifying because I like that it means to be set right. When you're typing in words and you in, in, in Word or Microsoft Office Word, you when you justify something, you set it to the right place it needs to be. That justification, that's the moment you decide to come off the porch and go through the door. That justification is the, is, the, is the crossing the threshold of the door. And then you have that sanctification because once you get into the house, you don't need some of the things you needed on the outside of the house. It's raining outside and I needed an umbrella out there. But when I, take, when I come into the house, I don't need the umbrella anymore. I can put that away. I don't need my overcoat. I don't need my fedora. I don't need any of that. I can take that off because I don't need it. But just like coming into the house, there are rules to follow. You come into people's house, some people need you to take your shoes off before you come in. Some people need you to not go in their refrigerator without asking. Some people will allow you to use a certain restroom, but not other restroom. But it's just like that with the Christ. When we, how we figure out is we study the word. Once we get into Christ, once we get into this sanctification, it's an ongoing, continual process. Uh, we have to study. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. A workman needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We ought to know what's in this word if we claim to be Christians. I find it funny that the, our, 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 uh, 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 that the Muslim people refer to Christians as people of the book. And we don't read it. People of the book. I find it interesting that I can go find somebody in the fruit of Islam, which is the nation of Islam's military branch, and they can quote the Bible better than some pastors I've seen. The only time we should that we the only time we are in the word ought not be on Sunday for 30 minutes. And if you're really super special, you go to Sunday school, so you get another hour in there and maybe go to Bible study. You ought to be spending some time in this word over and over and over again. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then we have this glorification that says all people can now have eternal life. Uh, we're working towards this deal. And, and, and the Bible says in John 3.16, uh, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have access to this. Adam messed it up. And it wasn't any of our faults, but we still had to reap the, the, the consequences. Jesus came and set it right. And we didn't do anything to make that right either, but we still get to reap the benefits of his act. Uh, decades ago, there was a missionary by the name of John Patton who tried to translate the New Testament into uh, uh, the language of the people that he was serving in, that he had sent out. And he studied the language and learned how to speak the language. He went out to the people to bring them Jesus. He didn't wait for Jesus. Uh, he didn't wait for them to come to Jesus. He went out to the people and taught them about Jesus. He even learned their language. He went out to the people and learned their language. He didn't say they need to come out from among them. Got quiet in here. Uh, here we have a man that decided he wanted to tell people about Jesus, but to tell people about Jesus, he had to learn their language. There are going to be people out here that need Jesus that don't dress like you dress. They don't act like you act. They don't talk like you talk. They may even seem like they are speaking a completely different language, but that should not stop us. We ought to be able to be as shrewd as serpents and gentle as doves and go out and interact with the people. It says to be in the world, but not of the world. And some people say think that means to not be in the world at all. You're in it, but not of it. You got to know what's going on. And so here you have this missionary, John Patton, and he's trying to translate the New Testament into this indigenous language of the people that he's doing. And the missionary struggled because he found out, as, as you do with certain languages, you, you, know, you have some languages where they have a bunch of different ways to look up something. I know uh, I, I used to get into these debates with people and somebody would ask me how I'm doing. And I would say, I'm doing pretty good. You shouldn't say you're good because the Bible says that only God is good. And I mean, that's what the Bible says in that text. But, you know, I, I spent all these years at the cemetery, seminary, seminary. I spent all these years at the seminary and I've learned in the Greek language that they have 18 different words for good just used in the Bible. They have 18 different words for good, just like they have multiple different words for love. And so when they say it in that, that, that verse that he was talking about, uh, don't say you're good, it actually says something, the, the word in Greek is like agatheos, which is godly. And so he was saying, don't call me godly because only God is godly. But, 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 but they have all these different languages and sometimes you come across languages and they don't have that English word at all. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of Amistad when they were trying to translate the, the, what was going on to the, to the, to the slaves and, and the man told him to translate something. He said, maybe we'll get free and maybe we won't. And he was like, translate it for him. And he's like, I can't because in their language, there is no word for maybe. It either is or it isn't. 
It's either right or it's left. It's either up or it's down. There is no maybe. There is no in between in their language. And when this missionary was out here trying to translate the, the, the language, he realized that there was no word in that language for the word believe. And so he's trying to translate John 3.16 for him. And, you know, whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, but there was no word for believe. And the missionary struggled on how to translate the New Testament without the word for believe. And one of the natives dropped by, it says, and flung himself exhaustedly in a chair. And then he stretched out all the way on the chair and leaned his legs on it. And then he realized that he muttered some words and he said it felt good to lean his weight on the others, on the chairs rather. And so instantly John Patton knew what word he could translate for it. And he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever shall lean his old weight on him shall not perish but have eternal life. We have a, a, a savior that we can lean on. What's the song say? We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy earth, and he's never failed me yet. We have a savior that we can lean and put our weight on the same way that God made Adam the representative for us to suffer this punishment. God made Christ to make us the, 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 the way to get in. There is a name. I love to hear. I love to sing his word. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Adam messed it up, but Jesus cleaned it up. Adam put us for death, hell, in the grave, but Jesus gave us access to eternal life. And he did it by going to the cross, dying for our sins. But that's not where the story ends, because three days later, he got up with all power in his hand. But that's still not where the story ends. He's coming back again. Are you going to be ready? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.